And we're back. I'm Gervier Brahm here with Jamal Sandu, and we are screen off script. This week we're getting into Zombieland and reflecting on all the major movie and TV news of the week. Welcome to Zombieland. It's like a greatest hits collection of nightmares. Gotta enjoy the little things. In our first segment, we're talking spoilers for 2009's Zombieland. If you want to skip around, we got timestamps in the description. Jumbled, we're back. Uh, we just went on a vacation in Colombia. Uh, I, th- I feel like we're both back in the zone. Feeling a little bit better. I'm I'm almost there. I'm yeah. kind of glad we're doing Zombieland this week because I did feel like a zombie when I when I got back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, four or five days in Colombia, time zone. Well, not even the time zone difference, but it was just the travel, the connections, just yeah, like yeah. all that kind of stuff, right? And uh, yeah, I'm still in recovery mode. Yeah. But yeah, an incredible trip. Good time to get away for a bit during the summer. But yeah, we're back and uh, we're doing something that that we don't do that too too often, to be honest with you, because I think we've been on a really good run lately of like new movies, new releases, TV shows. But we're doing a throwback this week. And I love doing throwbacks. And Zombieland is one of my favorite like go-to comedies just to throw on in the background or even just pay attention to whatever it is. But like that is one of my movies I can have on at any time. Yeah, it's 88 minutes. It's an an easy watch. I've watched it like four or five times over the last like, you know, whatever, how many ever years it's been, 13 years. And yeah, I agree. It's like I'm not the biggest fan of like the horror genre as everyone kind of like knows at this point. And as an offshoot from that, I guess zombie movies kind of fall into that category a little bit too. But this is fun. This is fun because it's it's a bit of a you know black comedy. It's it's, it's, it's straight out comedy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I fully categorize this movie as like a horror. Obviously not this one specifically, but zombie movies in general are hard to just put in a horror space. You know what I mean? Like obviously like that. The idea and the concept of zombies definitely lends itself to horror. Right. But it's not necessarily always the case. Like, you can see there's so much variation when it comes to the idea of a zombie apocalypse. 100%. So we've had, like, straight-up horror movies in, in the zombie genre, right? Yeah. Where 28 Days Later, yeah. straight-up horror. Then you've had, like, action movies. Like, you look at Zack Snyder's movies. Think about Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead, straight-up comedy. Fantastic comedy yeah. movie. And that's, specific, that's a British comedy yeah. at, at that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's kind of great to see, like, that so many, like, great films makers approach this topic i think it's one of the most interesting film topics that number one has movies in its catalog that are just epic as hell mm-hmm. but on, on top of that like it's actually an unexplored genre really right like even like this year or last year when we got uh, army of the dead like you mentioned by Zack snyder and i didn't love that movie but i like the fact that that like the concept alone got me so excited to like check it out i think that's what you can do with zombie movies yeah. is that you can go real high concept with the pitch yeah, yeah right yeah. whether it's all right you're in london and it's a pub crawl or whether you're stuck in las vegas um or whether it's a road trip yeah uh, which basically zombie land is yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so there's yeah. so many different things you can do with this yeah yeah exactly and i'm glad you brought that up because the idea of like this this movie is essentially a road trip movie essentially mm-hmm. a coming of age movie and that's like the hook for me like right off the top but like throw the zombie concept on that and it's just like beautiful mm-hmm. uh but yeah let's get into the movie first off what, what do you think of zombie land like where does it kind of fit as far as the comedy as far as zombie movies like wh- how do you feel about it overall I, th- I feel well first of all it's still funny all these years later i was still chuckling away at, at so many different moments throughout the movie whether it was like actual action sequences or whether it was like little a few puns a few one-liners a few zingers here and there yeah whatever but like i think the biggest takeaway for this movie is it's almost like a moment in time when you look at the cast where they were in their respective careers yep. and they were like yo we're gonna do a zombie movie i'm like all right cool like the biggest takeaway for me i remember watching this movie back in 2009 and i'm thinking to myself man woody harrelson is still on a run yeah, yeah he's yeah. still just 
maintains and sustains and he just keeps popping up whether it's a tv show or a movie uh and he's so diverse in what he ends up picking for projects yeah. right and then you look, kind of look back at some of the other actors involved like jesse eisenberg and, and emma stone and you're like now look at the careers they've had since the yeah. movie uh, jesse eisenberg in particular i feel like i don't you know, my memory is getting hazy the older I get, but I don't remember seeing him in much of, of anything at all, I think before Zombieland. And then almost like a year later, we see him in social network and now we know who Jesse Eisenberg is. You know what? It was that time. Like when you when you think about that time frame, like I think I watched this movie because it was like around the time the Superbad came out, right? Like Superbad, uh, and obviously like 40 year old virgin knocked up. Like that was like this whole branch of comedy that was already just absolutely killing it. Mm -hmm. So popular. But like for me, that was just my, that's my time in comedy, right? Like if people have like nostalgic periods, like even in this movie, you refer to like Bill Murray as like this folk hero, basically. If you go into like the late nineties, early two thousands, you can go to like Will Ferrell. There's so many eras in comedy where you can fit like specific people. For me, this is it, right? Mm -hmm. 2008, about the 2006 to like 2010 ish is like my favorite time, maybe in comedy ever. And, uh, and on top of that, it's again, it's also that coming of age story. This movie kind of feels a little bit like, almost like a John Hughes movie, but mm. instead of focusing on like Ferris, they talk about like Cameron, yeah. right? Like that's the main character, but like the, that movie works because there's zombies attached to it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just fun to see like these characters come out of their shells. But like you were saying, like this era of time, this is when I saw like Jesse Eisenberg coming off Squid and the Whale, he had like this indie movie and like I think that's where he first got recognized but then like this project Adventureland a few other movies kind of came out all around the same time where people were like oh shit this guy's good he's not just you know he might be a guy he not, he's not just value brand Michael Sarah. this guy's a talented actor mm -hmm. right because that's what it kind of felt like at the time like right. I, I feel like that was like a common sentiment like alright cool Michael Sarah's popping that type of person is somebody who we want to cast in the movie they probably didn't get Michael Cera. I'm sure Michael Cera was offered this movie. I'd be shocked if he wasn't. Right. But something like this, it feels like it was like, all right, cool. Let's put this guy right in. He fit right in there. And then they realize this guy's a tremendous actor. Same thing goes with Emma Stone. Uh, and you kind of make that correlation because she's just coming off super bad as well. And again, that whole Apatow camp is like the reason I watch so many comedies of this era and great ones and bad ones. I've mm -hmm. seen like everything. But uh, for, for this movie, you just get a lot in that 90 minutes, right? Like there's no fat in this movie. The, the pacing is fantastic. In fact, this might be a little soon, but you're going to ask me later on what the best scene is. Yeah. I, can, I, I can almost tell you right now what the best scene is because it's the start of the movie just slaps you in the face. Yeah. It's like, here's what's going on. Here's the rules. It's played against Metallica's for whom the bell tolls. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of, the, one of the best five minute intros to setting up the entire movie maybe ever yeah it's, it's world building right off the bat yeah and i love that and it just sets the tone perfectly and um and it kind of that's the 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 tone that sustains throughout the entire movie there's yeah. no real fall off at all exactly i completely agree and and uh even just talking about the rules real quick as far as rules go within zombie what do you think is the most important rule that they bring up i mean it's double tap isn't it you think so? I think so. I feel like it's cardio. Cardio? Cardio is, that's why it's rule number one. Uh, that, that is the most important rule. If you got no cardio, I think you're fucked in zombie land. That's a good shout. Actually. You're not existing. Like, it doesn't happen. Like, you can have, like, you're going to run out of bullets, but, you know, if your legs don't work, you're screwed. Mm. For me, like, the, la the, the last rule that I kind of walk away with is enjoy the little things. Right. Right. And that's like the, the little kind of sentiment that I kind of walk away from this movie mm -hmm. is not only do you enjoy the little things, but it's like, you know, appreciate what you have, appreciate that you're just like a tiny speck on this massive plane of existence so you don't have to trip about nonsense especially if it's you know they put it in the context of a zombie apocalypse but like take yourself out of that and mm -hmm. it's just like well same shit yeah <laughs> same shit but yeah when you when you talk about this movie it's kind of funny to think about it 
now from a perspective of like where we are as opposed to 2009 in 2009 it's just like a fun comedy of that era now it's like funny to look at like the themes of like isolation and re-socializing and self-growth and self-reflection all that kind of stuff it really translates really well after the pandemic but also this is also pre-walking dead i feel like Zombieland didn't come out at like the height of zombies being so popular mm. the last 10 years we've had so much zombie content prior to that zombie movies were like here or there maybe one or two a decade in yeah. very different ways shapes and forms and different genres right i feel like after Zombieland came out it's like all right we got the walking dead which obviously is, i think is still on its crazy ass run and then you had obviously Zack snyder do his thing so like you know i feel like if Zombieland had come out five years ago maybe we would have had zombie fatigue i think it came out at the right time i think know? it came out at the perfect time yeah. especially considering what the cast they, uh, the cast that they have and mm -hmm. just going forward how that cast kind of aged it was a perfect time for a movie like that to be made and i think you're right like when stuff was starting to pop that's why they did the sequel right like yeah. they're like set aside the the feverish homeless cannibal i'm living the dream i i had always my whole life wanted to brush a girl's hair over her ear good night yeah, it's just funny to see like all the cameos that kind of happened over this time as well. First one I want to kind of talk about is the first one that kind of appears is the Amber Heard cameo, which mm. is kind of crazy to look back at now. We both literally, as the movie, we, we watched the movie yeah. of, as like we always do prior to recording the podcast today. We both looked at each other. We were like, Amber Heard, man. Amber Heard. What a crazy turn of events yeah. from where she was in Zombieland to where she is now in life. And not only that, but like at this time, she was just on like this one show called Hidden Palms. That's where I first saw her. And I thought like, okay, cool. This girl's beautiful. And I saw her here and I was like, all right, cool. This is like continuing. And then it felt, it kind of felt like there was just like a period of time where I was just like, oh, I've heard she's dating this person or I heard she's dating that person or whatever. And then all of a sudden Aquaman. The time in between that, I have no fucking clue what she was doing, mm. right? And I don't know if you were paying attention that time, but I barely remember her from Zombieland. Yeah. I just remember her being in Aquaman. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I don't really recall or remember her from being in much else before Aquaman. Was that your like your your first real experience of like, all right, cool? Like, I remember Amber Heard. Yeah, I mean, Aquaman was obviously a big release and a big movie, and the fact that she was cast in it, I just remember her being in the movie type of thing. But prior to that, I just maybe because I grew up in the UK or whatever, I just didn't remember seeing her in much whether it was tv or movies yeah now even just looking at her like imdb like it's pretty it, it, it's sporadic like it go like she'll have like periods where she'll like have a few things in one uh in one year and then just nothing for the next year right so it's definitely like uh she, she's had an interesting career man mm -hmm. especially now man like yeah i have no clue what i mean now you're definitely be. not remember uh, now you're definitely not forgetting who amber heard and is. i love her kind of her addition in the movie though because she fits as like columbus's like crush that he was like fantasizing over like forever right and then he finally has that opportunity to kind of like see something happen and something actually does happen and then all of a sudden fucking zombie zombie <laughs> fucking zombie and he has to kill her yeah that's so fucked up too i would have just ran away right right like i i, I don't know maybe i'm non-confrontational but if i saw a zombie and like let's say i tapped once and they, they like i thought they were dead and they keep coming i'd be like all right fuck it i'm running <laughs> i would have just left like right. that, that double tap wouldn't have thought i wouldn't have came to my head that time for sure Especially if it's like you have no idea this is a zombie apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Basically, just killed this person that he had no idea was a zombie. Wild. Next, we also get like Emma Stone. Obviously, she's Wichita. She's a huge character, and at this point, obviously, it's very early in her career, and yeah. she's kind of killing it this time too. Zombieland. She's got Superbad and Easy A. All these comedies are coming, coming, and now when you look at her 
and you kind of see her as like this non-comedic actor. Now I kind of view her through the lens of like a dramatic actor. Right. But initially I was like, shit, there's a really strong voice and comedy coming from like Emma Stone, like what she was contributing at that time. At the t- same time, over her run, she also ventured into the big summer blockbuster. She was in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, yeah. right? So she's had a pretty good, diverse career for herself. And Great I almost run, feel man. like she's still in the prime of her run, it yeah. feels like. Yeah, it really does feel like that, especially coming off like La La Land and all that yeah. stuff. Like, it just feels like She's had a really great uh, run from the start and it's just been rising yep. just continuously. Yeah. There's also like that one clip where uh, the girls kind of steal the car back again. And then now we just continue on like an actual family road trip movie. And I get, I, I, I get why Columbus likes Wichita, right? Like I, I feel like some people would be like, you know, like she's screwing you over. I don't know how they would kind of relate to that character. But like I love like seeing her as like the strong woman. And I love that Columbus is like self-aware enough to be like, I like that. Right, like that's a great character trait to see from like a guy who's like very beta, right? especially considering his relationship with like Tallahassee and how he's like the beta to Tallahassee's alpha. And also just seeing who his initial crush was in the Amber Heard character. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then kind of almost switching it up and changing it to a very different look and personality type in mm. Wichita, played by Doug Emma Stone. That's yeah. Again, I'm in zombie mode right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, some of my favorite moments in this movie also come from when they were just like driving, yeah. right? Just like hanging out, like listen to the, the popular or the wicked theme song or the soundtrack, all that kind of stuff. Like that's the fun stuff in my head. That's why I love this movie so much. Yeah. Cause for me, it's a road trip movie. Like one of my favorite movies of all time is Dumb and Dumber. Cause mm. it's like the quintessential comedy road trip movie. Yeah, yeah. This is that, but just with a zombie genre thrown into the mix. Yeah. And I love that. There's so many things that happen on the on this journey. I don't know what it is about road trip movies that people love so much. Like I, I agree. And I, I think it's like the idea of like taking these four characters that we really like and just like kind of exploring where we can go with them yeah right and it's like literally but also like just like metaphorically where can we just see where the comedy kind of comes from what's the destination yeah what is the journey that confined space where you're sharing a car and four capable comedic actors who can like kind of bounce off each other and like see what they kind of create i'm sure a lot of that stuff was like just improv oh yeah yeah 100 percent. right um and getting into like that four they think one of my or my maybe my favorite character again spoiler but woody harrelson as tallahassee fucking with me uh no you should actually limber up as well. Especially if we are going down that hill, it is very important. I don't believe in it. You ever see a lion limber up before it takes down a gazelle? The way they introduce him as like this badass cowboy that just yeah. like steps out and you can just like uh, the gun, just the holster kind of sitting there. He's got his cowboy hat on. I love the strange bedfellows kind of dynamic that he has with Jesse Eisenberg's character. And yeah, just the way he kills zombies. It's kind so of like, badass. it's almost like he's a surrogate older brother or a surrogate father to Jesse. Yeah, yeah like a cool uncle or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like the, the the father figure that he didn't have. And yeah. he's like kind of like the, the like he's like kind of the person who's like bringing out his social skills and teaching him like- Teaching him about life. Yeah. You know, teaching yeah, yeah. about women and the world and alcohol and guns and everything that works. Yeah, 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 exactly. He has like somebody there like, all right, cool. He's a point of reference. Yeah. Yeah. to to talk to somebody about it's kind of funny to like see uh the tallahassee character where we see him now it's just interesting to see that he seems like such a ladies man mm-hmm. but that just never becomes a part of the story no yeah and, and also like his his uh his obsession with nostalgia in the form of twinkies that made me want to eat twinkies so much when i first saw this movie really and i realized that twinkies just suck 
We don't get Twinkies in the UK, by the way. Oh, not at all? Not at all. Like, it wasn't a thing. Like, I think I remember seeing Twinkies in a few of these, you know, imp- American import candy shops. Yeah. Um, but it was never a thing where I'm like, oh, i got to have it or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, of course. But did you, when you did come to Canada or yeah. even when you went to America, did you try a Twinkie? I don't think I've tried a Twinkie in my entire life. Never in your life? No. Nope. Listen, I'll tell Am you. Am I the missing truth. out on anything here? No, nah, you're really not. But all it's right. almost like, it's, it's like not eating like, it's like a drumstick, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. just, there's certain things that just, everyone has tried at least once at least once mm. a twinkie is a very it's very much like it scratches an itch i want cake right. right and you eat it and it's a little bit disappointing but like i got cake i'm fine okay you know what i mean it's like that but what would be your equivalent of like a twinkie in that situation in the uk in a zombie apocalypse oh in a zombie apocalypse like looking for to one nostalgic item i want that that what is that it's not really a mcflurry from mcdonald's man but that's what that can't exist why not how can an Oreo McFlurry exist in, in a zombie apocalypse? So something in a wrapper I that has a long um, shelf life? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a, that's a, great, that's a great question. That's a great Stumpers question. It is. Side. Maybe something like a Ferrero Rocher. Okay. Like a tray of Ferrero Rocher. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, like yeah. every Christmas, so I don't eat Ferrero Rocher the entire year. And so tradition is for me, every end of November, early December, kind of past the Thanksgiving period heading into Christmas, I buy like five, six trays from Costco, yeah, and I'm just like, that's for me. Yeah. That's not to share. That's not to give to family or friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am literally during this five, six, seven week period. I'm just yamming through Ferrero Rocher, all yeah. those trays. <laughs> I so gluttonous is so bad, but that's my thing. And like, that's probably my go-to for a zombie apocalypse. Give me a tray of Ferrero Rocher, or if I see a truck from Ferrero Rocher, yeah, yeah. I'm rummaging through that thing. <laughs> I think for me, it's Twix. Twix. I think it's Twix. I don't know why, but I could eat a million Twix. Mm-hmm. It's just that go-to candy for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Also, like even a side note, as far as like the the Tallahassee character you get like that little piece of like a backstory like first they introduced like he had like this puppy mm-hmm. that he had like a tragic thing and he lost the puppy and then you kind of realize later that oh shit that was his kid and the way they break that down is so tragic and it's really beautiful like it's a beautiful way to present information and i just love how like you kind of look at like the tallahassee character and like he's just like this ball of like old school man you know what mm. i mean like that like the the characteristic idea of like toxic masculinity yeah or like unexplored this and that but like it just works really well in, as a redneck in Zombieland. yeah it's almost like they uh just looked at every kind of like action hero from the 80s like in a b movie yeah and this took elements of like a chuck norris and a this and a that and just throw them into like a woody Harrelson character i think what really works with these characters and why they're they're so dynamic with each other is they're all like kind of serve very different kinds of things mm-hmm. right like the the woody harrelson character is like the quintessential uh southern man he's a man's man he's a southern he's a, man's yeah, he's man he's a man's man yeah. but he's from the south and yeah. then you have like you have columbus who feels almost like millennial like, a, like yeah like a millennial liberal he's young he's he's got like progressive views yeah. and then you see somebody like uh wichita and similar views i would imagine but she's like this badass non-beta character mm-hmm. and then you got like the the younger little rock who like kind of serves like a purpose of like almost like the little sister in this kind of situation yeah. and and you kind of see like the, the chemistry of all four of those characters kind of playing off each other yeah i think that's why it's so fun and it's perfectly encapsulated in that moment when Tallahassee kind of finds out that Columbus has a crush on Wichita and he could have been like you know oh you like her huh but he's like no it's like you're trying to fuck Wichita (laughs) it's like yeah that's fucking awesome and then we have I think the best cameo I think I think genuinely this cameo is one of the best cameos in movie Mm -hmm. right it's it's Bill Murray it's when they show up to Bill Murray's house and they're just enjoying the space and all of a sudden Bill Murray actually shows up and looks like a zombie they find out he's not actually a zombie they're just about to hang out with fucking Bill Murray god damn it Bill fucking Murray I had to get that out I don't mean to gush 
This is so surreal. I mean, you probably get this all the time. I really, maybe not lately, but I'm, I'm such a huge fan of yours. I mean, I swear, you know, I've seen every one of your movies a million times in it. I, I even love your dramatic roles and oh. just everything. Six people left in the world. One of them is Bill fucking Murray. A, totally unexpected. B, this is a period of time where Bill Murray isn't really coming up in too many movies. He's not really working too much. So mm. for him to just pop up in a, a zombie comedy like Zombieland was so like bizarre and out of left field. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. Here's a crazy story though. The original role was actually for Patrick Swayze. But oh. he was actually battling uh, pancreatic cancer at the time and was too uh, sick to make the set. So he was choice number one, which would have been an interesting kind of like um, performance to see on screen, right? Yeah. So I ended up going to Bill Murray, but check this out. Outside of Bill Murray and obviously Patrick Swayze, Sylvester Stallone, The Rock, Matthew McConaughey, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Joe Pesci, Mark Hamill, Kevin Bacon, and Dustin Hoffman were the other actors in line to potentially play this cameo role. How about that? That's actually pretty great. I'm actually so happy that it was Bill Murray. Obviously, oh, yeah, like I just sure. mentioned, is like I think it's one of the best cameos I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he just serves such a great purpose in the story. Like obviously Bill Murray is a fucking genius, mm -hmm. right? A comedic genius. And on top of that, you have like the character kind of has had this plan of like playing a zombie and that's like such a fun way to kind of bring him in. Yeah. And I love that he died doing like a comedic bit. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, do you have any regrets? Garfield. Um, who in of any actor from like your childhood or like formative years, whose house would you visit in that situation? Oh, so Arnold Schwarzenegger's. Oh, <laughs> I actually knew that was gonna be the answer. Yeah, I yeah, knew yeah, that yeah. was gonna be the answer. I don't have an answer. Cause then you, you can imagine like, if you go to Arnie's house, you've got a gym, you've got a great gym yeah. to work out. Uh, you probably got everything you need. He's probably one of the richest guys in Hollywood. So you're gonna have like an amazing mansion, a swimming pool, a cinema room. Yeah. You're gonna have a gym. You're gonna have like seven Hummers if you wanna get around town, right? <laughs> so you're gonna be, you're probably gonna have like a whole I don't know, a uh, basement full of like, you know, daggers and weapons and grenades That's and guns. That's a really great point. Right? I think that would work out really well. I Actually, you know what? I think I would go for Seth Rogen. Okay. Just because like, number one, he hits that comedy edge the exact same way that Bill Murray probably does for a certain generation. He'll, he'll definitely have tons of weed. That's actually the second reason. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I feel like there's a lot of advantages from chilling with Seth Rogen. Especially, you know what? Even like his current product and like the way he presents himself now, everything is so nice. Mm -hmm. That guy is like designing all this stuff for his weed company. He does like little houseware thing, little items and stuff like that. That guy just got nice space. Mm -hmm. I would love to just chill in that area for like a, a solid amount of time in during Zombieland. As far as Zombieland goes, what do you think the worst part would be? What, the of the movie or just existing. like or existing in Zombieland? Zombieland? Man, it's just a constant like fear of like, I don't know how I'd sleep at night. Yeah. Like it's just a constant fear of like what could happen at any moment in any instant. You venture out, you're trying to get some food or some fresh water. And it's like, what, 6 billion people are out there like you know, just trying to hunt some fresh meat and you are the game, you are that fresh meat. The fact that the panic attacks, man. Running around looking for guns. Yeah. Like, imagine if it was like Canada, right? Like we live here. Where are we going to find these guns? I know. We're screwed. We're going to have to, like, I genuinely don't know what item or weapon I would use to like protect myself over here. We'd have to go to Buffalo, right? And just get, <laughs> yeah, just, just drive down. Just drive. Go. Hopefully you make that like two hour drive yeah. and actually get to a place where you can find some guns. Yeah. I think the worst parts would be number one, Toilet paper is a limited supply at that point. Right. I'd be shook. I just realized, probably the company. Like, imagine if you're by yourself and all your friends and family are zombies. It's like, what kind of existence is that, man? I think even more so, it'd be worse if you were, uh, not worse, but like, I would love to have some company, but like, imagine you're around a bunch of people and you all can't shower. 
Yeah, that'd be pretty gross. I would hate that. Yeah. I think that's like a nightmare of mine. Uh, just a bunch of stinky people just hanging out together. Especially imagine you're sitting in a car, how bad people smell during a road trip, mm-hmm. and now you can't shower at all during that. Yeah. Absolute nightmare. Yeah. Uh, what about as far as our categories, best character, who you got for that? Easy. It's Woody Harrelson as Tallahassee. Awesome. Me too. For best scene, what do you got? Mentioned it earlier on, but the entire opening sequence that introduces the rules, got some great action there, sets the tone, and a great choice using Metallica's For Whom the Bell Tolls, Chef's Kiss. Yeah. Uh, For me, I'm going, I love that opening montage. I think it's fantastic. On top of that, I love the finale. That's just as epic as it gets. There's no, like I said, no fat in that movie. The ending sequence is Tallahassee going on this epic killing spree. Uh, I'm actually almost shocked that like this movie doesn't have like, a video game, mm. right? Like a like an open world video game where you can just travel around Zombie Land, killing zombies and hanging out, going to like fun places like Pacific Playland. Or That'd be like fun, that. right? Like that would be a blast, yeah, right? Yeah, like how yeah. does that movie not? I always think, how do these open world video games just not exist more plentifully, mm-hmm. right? Like a zombie movie for that, like. I don't know. It feels like a real missed opportunity. But yeah, in that final scene, you get like Columbus gets to push his uh, the girl's ear, or the hair behind her ear. Tallahassee gets his Twinkies. The girls get to go to Pacific Playland. They all found their family. Happy endings all around. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. That would be my best scene if it wasn't for the Bill Murray one, though. Right, yeah. The Bill Murray one, by a mile, my favorite. Star rating-wise, five being the best movie you've ever seen, zero being the worst. Where does this one end up? Giving it a solid four out of five. Really enjoyable. I've watched it now, I think, five times yeah. since its release. It's a good watch. It's an easy watch. It's a fun watch. I can't recommend it enough. Awesome. Uh, for me, I'm going with 3.75. I think it's definitely like a movie you should have seen. You know what I mean? Like it's, it should be in that like catalog of like movies you've seen before. But on top of that, I think it's like such a rewatchable movie and such a fun movie. And it just doesn't get better for something this niche. Yeah. Right. It just there's there's not going to be a lot of other movies that can fit like three different movie categories and it just works so perfectly well together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's everything for Zombieland. Let's get into some of the news items this week. First off, next week is going to be SDCC, San Diego Comic-Con. Huge day in the, the world of nerddom. Rumors are that Marvel's going to reveal... Apparently we're not going to get like huge previews because they want to save some stuff for uh, D23 later on this year. But apparently we should be seeing stuff from Wakanda Forever, She-Hulk, James Gunn mentioned that he's going to be there. Let's see what they end up actually doing. There's rumors that Henry Cavill is going to be coming in for more Superman. What are you most excited about kind of going into that? I'm kind of just excited with SDCC being back in general because it's been a few years because of because of the pandemic and not having this physical event take place. And I feel like having an auditorium full of fans reacting to stuff, whether it be a panel, a sizzle reel, a trailer, a prompt, something like that, right? So much fun geeky nerdy news always comes out of sdcc just to get you hype for future releases so i'm kind of just excited just in general about the event itself being back yeah but yeah it's always going to be for me anything related to the mcu anything new with the mcu is always going to be at the top of my list of what i'm most interested about dc and everything else whether it's dc star wars this that i don't like that'll be definitely a tier or two below MCU inject that into my veins all day long. I feel like I what I all I want from the MCU right now is direction. Mm-hmm. And I would hope we get that. I don't imagine that we are considering the rumors that they're going to save some stuff. Yeah. I feel like they'll have a lot of stuff for the movies that we've already heard about before, like the new Guardians and all that kind of stuff. Maybe the new Ant-Man, a bunch of like fun properties that have already been announced. Maybe yeah. they'll talk about Blade, who the hell knows. But it feels like the real reveal of like Phase 5 is going to happen closer to D23 because that would probably be around the time 
that Wakanda Forever is coming out. And it's like a good time to like structure everything. So the excitement is at an all time high. I'm kind of glad that you mentioned that, you know, Disney obviously has D23 where they kind of talk about their slate of like upcoming content, whether it be Star Wars related or whether it be, you know, Marvel related. DC has fandom. So they these companies and the studios are almost con- con- controlling their own narrative. They create their own events and they've created them within the space of the pandemic. They've been mostly digital events um, for the internet. And so I'm kind of very curious to see, kind of going back to SDCC, how much they give, how much do they hold back, how much do they save in their back pocket for their own event? You know what, but it's gotta be a little bit like mildly competitive between these companies. Cause of like course. you wanna walk out with like, who are these people that gonna be talking about on the way out? Here's a great comparison. I remember E3, which is like, you know, traditionally has been the biggest video game uh, conference every single year. And it would be this battle between Sony and Nintendo and Microsoft, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden, these you know companies were like, yeah, we're gonna just do our own event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, well, because we used to look forward to E3 as exactly. video game nerds, like yeah. who's gonna come out with a new release, a new game, a new console, who won E3? And like, that's what SDCC for was, has always been for me when it comes to movies and TV shows. Yeah, yeah, and it feels like that's kind of getting lost a little bit. Mm-hmm. I hope it doesn't because like the, these kind of conventions, they make everything feel like a bigger deal. Well, that's why this one's so important because it's the return of SDCC. Yeah. So this is the ultimate test. Like, yeah, yeah. is it backpack or is it going to be a little SDCC light? Yeah, we'll find out. Obviously, we're going to be talking about this next week, but um, I'm excited to see what kind of comes out of this because yeah. it feels like a big week regardless. Right? Sure. As far as in other news, uh, Warner Media did actually have this report that was revealed that fake accounts apparently helped the fuel the release of Hashtag release the Snyder Cut, that whole movement. Apparently multiple people at Warner Bros. believe Snyder was pulling the strings on manipulating the campaign. He claims that if anyone was pulling strings, it was WB trying to leverage his fan base to bolster subscribers for their new streaming service. Also a piece of information that came out that was the Snyder Cut apparently cost Warner Bros. $100 million on top of, uh, you know, as far as like budgeting and marketing and all that kind of stuff. And it's just kind of crazy to see this controversy is still happening. Yeah, man. It's been two years and we're still hearing about the shit. And it's just kind of crazy to see like the numbers be released a hundred million dollars to f- end up finishing that movie. That's kind crazy. of crazy. Um, yeah, I kind of feel like I've got fatigue with just the term, the Snyder cut. Like, let it let it be. It's yeah, done. It's dusted. Over it, man. Yeah, like, even the stupid Oscars and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's like, dude, what are we talking about here? Like, it's done. Yeah, we watched the movie. It's cool. If you liked it, you liked it. If you don't, you don't. Let's just move on with our lives. It is funny, though, because I, too, I, I in this situation, I almost entirely side with Zack Snyder because it definitely, like, I don't know why this information is coming out, mm. right? Like, wh- at what point, like, they, they, let's be real, like, the release, the Snyder cut, it, sure, I'm sure there were bots, but if that thing wasn't genuine, at least to, like, a majority the level of engagement that it had wouldn't have existed. True. Right? So so it feels like WB is like almost like covering their bases and like trying to just throw him under the bus. It literally helped launch HBO Max. Yeah. So it kind of helped do the job. It was the reason we like were paying attention to HBO Max on its early days because sure. like this was the first massive release that mm-hmm. was coming out. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see kind of like the relationship with with a lot of directors kind of coming out with that. I would be like, if I was a director, I would feel a little bit slighted in general of like, why are you throwing this guy under the bus for no reason, mm. right? Like we all tried something, maybe it worked, maybe it didn't, but like you went on this journey together. Why are you throwing at either individual under the bus? And it seems that Zack Snyder's got a great relationship with Netflix. Like yeah. obviously they had Army of the Dead that was released last year. So, and he's got another movie coming out soon too with Netflix. There so uh, let's see what ends up happening there. You don't want to kill me. I'm your best friend. Besides, who's gonna give you a reach around? 
a few pitches of like projects that will be coming out soon. Patrick Wilson, he says that he's going to be doing his directorial debut with Insidious 5, and that's going to release in 2023. The film is going to be 10 years after the last installment, and they're going to follow Dalton as he kind of goes into college. For me, I love that. I love comedy. I mean, I love horror movies, and Conjuring's just fucking fantastic. Right. Uh, I don't know if you have an opinion on that. I don't think you don't care. As as you was reading that out, I just had a big smile on my face because I haven't seen any of these movies. You haven't seen The Conjuring? I haven't seen The Conjuring. Oh, I haven't man. seen Insidious. I don't, I'm not into the horror movie genre that but much, as you guys know. Conjuring so like, to, to hear that there's so an Insidious dope. 5 coming out, I'm like, I'm good. You guys enjoy it. I'm good. I think it's going to be badass. Okay. I, lo- I, just lo- I love the first one. I think it's fantastic. Fair, fair, fair. Uh, second, an adaptation of Neil Gaiman's The Graveyard Book is in the works at Disney. I love this concept. The story follows a young boy who is raised by ghosts and supernatural beings of a graveyard after his family is murdered. Doesn't that sound crazy? Is this not the horror movie? No, no, no. I think it's a like a it's, a, it's a Disney. I, oh, it seems almost like a kids oh okay. kids movie. Yeah. And who's making it? Disney with Mark Forster. So let's see. Let's see what ends okay. up. Okay. I just love that concept. The yeah, concept interesting. Con- really, yeah, yeah, really very, very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe Russo. He had a little bit of uh, insight for the new Hercules movie. He says it's going to pay homage to the original with a more modern spin on it. That always seems like a bad idea. I don't know how many Hercules movies I've seen uh, over the course of my lifetime. It started off with the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie in the uh, the early 80s that I watched. And I remember we actually watched the Rocks version of Hercules, I think, what, seven or eight years ago or something. And, and now we're going to get Hercules in the MCU, as we know. And now there's another independent Hercules. I'm good, bro. I am so good with Hercules as a yeah. co- as a character, as a concept, as a origin story, as whatever you want to do with him, modernize him, whatever. Yeah, I'm yeah, good. Yeah. I'm good. I feel you. Uh, also, speaking of Joe Russo, he was talking about just because they're they're releasing Gray Man very shortly. I think it's coming out next week. Yeah. But it, he says that it's an elitist notion to be able to go to a theater. It's very fucking expensive. So this idea that was created that we hang on to that the theater is a sacred space is bullshit. How do you feel about that? Because I do not agree. I don't agree with that either because I feel like movies are still best seen in a movie theater. Yeah. As good as technology is in your homes and like you may have a big widescreen TV, 70 inch, 80 inch, 90 inch, whatever. You might have a great surround sound system. You may just have a sound bar, right? Whatever. It's not going to replicate the experience you have in a cinema, in a theater. And I think and it's more important. It's not even the technology aspect for me. It's the shared experience. It's, right, like we're all watching this together with a bunch of people that are also fans of whatever the hell we're about to watch. Right, and it's everyone having this visceral reaction together. Yeah, that's what that's what the movie experience is really. What you're selling, it's like being like, oh, I like music, but you know what? It's elitist to go to concerts. Right, it's like nah, like concerts enhance that experience. It's the same thing. Uh, I remember growing up in the UK and going to the West End. Right, going to watch you know a theater production when I was you know a teenager. Yeah. Oh, it's elitist. You have to dress a certain way. If you look back at the history of just theater, theater in general, right, going way back to Shakespeare, it's always been this elitist thing. You have to dress a certain way. You have to look a certain way. Yeah. You know, you have to have access to get these tickets. And like, you know, the the age that we live in now, it's like anyone can go to the cinema. And in fact, it's not that expensive, man. Like. I look at some of the ticket prices I'm paying these days and there's great subscription services available depending on how often you go. And I kind of look at my my bill, like how much I'm paying for what I'm getting in terms of how many visits I'm going, like how many visits I'm getting rather, what, the quantity of movies I'm watching. Yeah. It's well worth it if you ask me compared to my subscription services to five different streaming platforms. Big time, big time. I completely agree. It's a kind of uh, an interest because, you know, I understand that it's expensive. And I think uh, if you have like a family, right, like if you're if you're taking like a whole family, that's like a hundred bucks. Right. 
every time you go to the movies. I get that. That's expensive. Yeah. But it's almost like discrediting the idea that there can be other things that you can do that are like, you know, better than the other one. Like, right. it's just some shit's better. If you go to a movie theater, it's going to be a better experience than if you watch a movie on your phone. Example, example being, this weekend, we are both going to watch Jordan Peele's new movie, Nope. Yeah. I'm watching it in a regular cinema. You're going to go watch it in an IMAX theater. You're probably paying a little bit more for the privilege of watching at the IMAX, but it's cool either way, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And there's no elitist kind of like feeling here. You're still going to watch it in a movie theater. It's just a very different variation of it. Yeah, you're, yeah. Gonna pay, you're gonna pay a little bit more for the IMAX experience. But listen, I want that availability out there in the Hell world. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, exactly, losing the, like, the idea of like when the pandemic was happening at like the height of its powers and it felt like you know are, what's going on with movie theaters are we going to lose movie theaters like that was a it felt like a part very of the scary conversation, right yeah and i did like i remember even thinking back that i don't want to lose movie theaters yeah i love this experience of like going out yeah. that's all we want we want a reason to go out and a movie is a great fucking reason mm -hmm. to go out and hang out with people we have whatsapp groups we make plans hey yeah. who wants to go watch this movie on friday night or saturday night it's getting good reviews yada, yeah, yada yada exactly next uh george rr R. martin he was talking it's an interesting point he was talking about because all these spinoffs are coming out for Game of Thrones, obviously we're getting that new series on August 21st. He was talking about not wanting to become the Stan Lee type figure for Game of Thrones. He said he had no power, no influence. He was just a friendly person they brought to conversations and who did cameos to be sidelined on the world and characters that you created. That would be tough. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really interesting point to make. And it's also it's interesting to see how he kind of views Stan Lee's legacy within the company closer to the, like the end of his tenure. Mm. Yeah, I feel like even with the Game of Thrones run, you know, the season ended, you know, before the final books were released. Mm -hmm. Like, the train had left the station at that point. The, like, the final book is still not released. Right. You know I mean, like, you would think that if anybody's going to talk about, like, creative liberties being taken of their work, what about that last season right. of, of Game of Thrones? Like, he just, like, as far, I'm sure he, like, had input, but I can't imagine that he was... Like, you know, the final decision maker of a script that he didn't write. Then again, and we had a conversation about this earlier today, it's about artists being in control of their IP and yeah. their work and what are they willing to do. And if everyone's seen the Dave Chappelle special that just got released on Netflix, you know what we're talking about here. George R. R. Martin signed the contract. Yeah. Right. He knows the terms. He knows the conditions. He knows what the studio was going to do with the property, whether it was Game of Thrones and spinoffs and prequels and what have you. So ultimately the buck stops with him, man. It kind of feels like he's kind of playing both sides. Mm. He's got the money coming in or is being a part of a, like, like a consultant essentially for yeah. all these series. But mm -hmm. on the other side, he can also be a little bit of a dick yep. and just be like, well, I'm not going to be a guy who lets you people fuck with my property. But it's like, yeah, you, you already did that. George Lucas, if he wanted to right now, could say a lot of things yeah. or about, about all these Star Wars shows and the movies after the sale of the IP to Disney. Yeah. I don't think he's said anything. He's just kind of like, you know, I done my piece, I sold it, it's in good hands and God bless you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting to see like uh, creators kind of deal with, like kind of make business decisions and then kind of deal with that after the fact. Yeah. Next, Netflix says they're still searching for their own tentpole franchises. They said they want their own version of Star Wars and our own version of Harry Potter. Apparently they've identified a few upcoming shows that could be potential major franchises. One being the One Piece series, which is an anime adaptation. Another ad anime adaptation is Avatar The Last Airbender. And they also have a project with that's being executive produced by uh, David Benoff, who did Knives Out. It's a movie or, or series, I guess, called Three Body Problem. It's interesting to see, number one, I always thought that 
They already had properties like this. Stranger Things feels like a massive deal to me. Uh, definitely, and uh, they've got Squid Games. Yeah, Squid Games feels like a massive deal. These feel like really big properties, pop culture wise, and. I just don't, uh, I don't know what metric they're looking for. Is it maybe not TV shows? And are they looking at more like movies? But these feel like, it, it, these three are all series, like TV series. Mm. So it's like, what are, we, what are we talking about? If you're looking for like a movie series, I don't think they have found that, that's mm. for sure. Right. They just don't have that. But like, you never know, maybe it's the Gray Man. We just don't know. Yeah. Like, the Russo brothers are coming off Avengers Endgame. What if this is like the next response to that? Right, right, right. Next, just to get us a little hyped uh, for our next week episode, Jordan Peele was, uh, he had a few things to say on some of his interviews this week. One being that the possibility of a Get Out sequel. He says, I do get asked that a lot. Never say never. There's certainly a lot to talk about left. We'll see. Do you have an appetite for a game for a Get Out sequel? I get, I'm so scared of them. It's so perfect. That movie is so, so perfect that I don't know if a sequel would do it justice, be on the same level. Would it extend it? Would, would it be a legacy sequel? Would it expand the world? Would it expand our own experience where in the future it'll be like a double bill feature where we can watch them back to back? Yeah. That first movie is so great and so fantastic in so many different ways. I almost beg them not to do the sequel, but I also get it again, going back to artists and business decisions. Could you imagine how much money the studio would throw at Jordan Peele to make a Get Out sequel now that it's had this cultural impact and it's had, it's been watched and referred and kind of like it's kind of had its own little moment after its initial release. Yeah. Like, come on, man. I, I personally hope it never gets touched. Me too. You know, I'm of that same uh, thought process. It's just because like, you know what, like the, the way the, the topics that they're talking about, it's just such sensitive material. For them to nail it the first time and then have to come back and try to do it all again and then like, you know, you have to like subvert people's expectations in certain ways because that's the legacy of Get Out. I don't think that's possible. The thing is, Get Out, it broke so much ground yeah. in what it was dealing with and how it dealt with the issues and the themes and the topics that a sequel, like you said, your expectations would be so high in terms of where they would navigate the conversation in a sequel, where I just don't think they could ever match it. It'd be so tough. You know what I think would be the only way they could possibly make a Get Out sequel work is if they do a movie and they don't tell us it's a Get Out sequel. And then we right. just get advertisements for, hey, he's working with Danny Kaluuya. Oh, this person's gonna be a part of it. Lil Ray's gonna be a part of it. And then all of a sudden we walk in the movie and we're like, oh shit, these are the same characters. Right. Oh shit, this is the same story. This is a continuation. Like that would be a fucking trip. Mm -hmm. If you do something like that, sure. Like, cause that's kind of what's interesting about Nope <laughs> right. is like, we're kind of walking this movie like very blind. I think that's like a collective thing. Jordan Peele very purposefully does not put on a lot of information out. Mm -hmm. So now we're all like kind of walking in blind. If we walked into a sequel blind, that'd be fucking cool. That'd be crazy. That'd be a real cool experience in a movie theater. I mm -hmm. feel like the whole theater would be like, is this Get Out? Right. Like what's going on? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember this girl. <laughs> Look, what I'm about to tell you gonna sound crazy. You ready? Sorry. Try me. I believe they've been abducting black people, brainwashing them, making them work for them as sex slaves and shit. Oh, sorry about the shit. Next, Jordan Peele also sorry. said that whether he was talking about whether he would direct a film in a major franchise. He said, I feel like if I were working off someone else's property, I would owe something to someone else. Besides the core piece of inspiration, it just doesn't seem as fun to me. I love that. Mm. I love hearing these kinds of quotes. Jordan Peele talking about like the Dave Chappelle kind of idea of what he was talking about on his recent special. It just feels like he gets that. The idea of artistic integrity and expression and wanting to get your art out. And that's why he's like somebody I look forward to his uh, movies like so much every single time he gets to release them. God bless him and God bless anyone that's kind of like a creative person or an artist that really holds on to that mantra all the way through. Because yeah. it's a tough thing, right? Because 
you get money thrown at you and opportunities and you think about financial security and, and all the rest of it. You start thinking about your legacy. And it's also like a thing where he's already establishing himself as like, as far as legacy goes as like one of those directors that people want to work with. Yeah. And especially as like a black director and being somebody who can offer a vessel for like a lot of younger uh, up and coming black actors to kind of be a part of that. He's the reason Danny Kaluuya is becoming a household name. Yeah. He's the reason, you know, he's getting opportunities like Fred Hampton and winning Oscars. And even George, uh, John Boyega recently actually said that he wants to work with Jordan Peele. He actually said, like, the exact quote was, I'll work on anything. I'd be a tree. With Jordan, I'd love to get involved on, in any film he has coming up. It just shows the level of, like, respect that he's kind of gaining in the industry. And you can see that he's kind of building his own little camp. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, great, I love him it? having his own little branch of this weird horror uh, niche that he's building very much like Tarantino having his go-to guys throughout yeah. his the, his whole catalog of movies. Jordan Peele's I feel like he's got his group. Yeah, and he's building it slowly. And he's yeah. still like uh, he's working with them again. But yeah, let's get into our last segment of the show. Let's get wrecked our weekly recommendation segment. What is Sandu's pick this week? This one was so easy this week. We just came back from Colombia. I'm recommending Narcos and specifically the three season run from 2015 to 2017. It's an incredible account of Pablo Escobar's life and the whole cocaine drug cartels from the late 70s to the early 90s. You've got two incredible star-making performances from Pedro Pascal and Wagner Mora, and those two are really what make this series a must-watch. And if you haven't watched it, for whatever reason, go on Netflix, watch it. It's, it's like a page-turner. You'll just kind of like go from episode to episode to episode. And yeah, it was a nice little run it had, man, three seasons, but it's an absolute belter. That's awesome. Actually... I haven't seen Narcos, and especially coming back from Colombia, I'm like, fuck, I need to watch Narcos. You definitely need to watch it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, For me, I actually was thinking more along the lines of what we just got from Zombieland. I went with Adventureland. Uh, The way I was talking about Zombieland being a coming-of-age story with a lot of, like, my favorite parts being the non-zombie parts. Well, Adventureland is entirely that. It's basically us following Jesse Eisenberg as he gets a summer job at a theme park to pay for school. This is also, it came around that same time that Zombieland came out, came around the same time as Superbad. It was just a great time in comedy. The cast is stacked. Back then it was stacked, right? Like it's it's Ryan Reynolds, it's Jesse Eisenberg, Kirsten Stewart, Bill Hader, Kirsten Wig, Martin Starr, all these great comedic actors. And that at that time, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now it's absolutely insane. Those are some of the best actors in the world right now. Right. Right. And it's just uh, insane to see that it's kind of like a who's who in comedy. And this this film itself is just an underrated gem, just filled to the brim with nostalgia. If you watch it and you're just, you know, if you're a little bit older, you're just going to be like, holy shit, that's my childhood. That's awesome. It's fantastic. But uh, yeah, go out of your way, Adventureland. But that's everything for this week. John, where can everybody find us? We are at Screen Off Script on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And hey, listen, if you've got 15, 20 seconds, do us a favor, rate and review us. It honestly goes a long way on helping our little show get found by new audiences. Awesome. Thank you for checking us out this week, guys. Take care.